I see two moons, dark as blood, and lightning, a sky full of lightning. Shall we see what else has been lost in the wake of your fear? There's a thousand ways to die down there. Hello, and welcome to the Dura Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> and today we are talking about the seventh episode of our spooky series. We will be talking about all the spookiest episodes in Picard. Oh, we are here <laughs> to Star Trek Picard. Are you all very excited? I know that I'm really excited to talk about this very different show and very different spooky episodes. I am just thriving because literally tomorrow is Thanksgiving and yeah. like we are still on the spooky series and I'm not mad. Like, no, <laughs> I've been worried that people no. are like, I'm so over spooky, but also the people who are going to be listening later in life, you know, spooky season can happen all the time. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about future listeners who are like opening this in July or like February or, you know, something. So anytime you listen, you can be in the spooky mentality and we're still there, you know? So this is really <laughs> very exciting. Yeah, honestly, when I was thinking about Picard as a series, I don't really think of it as spooky or scary. But then when I was yeah. actually re-watching it, I was like, uh, this is the most terrifying Star Trek that we have. Yes. <laughs> Ashlyn, thank you for bringing that up. I feel like I totally agree. I found myself disturbed, excited, fearful, in awe, all the above. And I'm just very excited to talk about what a different and, a, and like special show to go through these really scary episodes with you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to unpack the ways in which Picard tries to scare its audience. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the ways in which they succeed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Um, so... <laughs> Well, Rihanna, before we start, I want to thank Curlon Noscos, Wolf Wit, Rick Mason, John T. Bolds, Gil Dara, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, Ivan, and Michelle for being our patrons. Um, we are so thankful for you, and we just love making content for you. If anyone is interested in becoming a patron, please head over to patreon.com slash Podcast right now. Any amount per month will get you uh, uh, all of the perks to being a patron. Soon we're going to be updating those tiers. So I would get in while you can. <laughs> yes, get it on the ground floor. Um, one more thing, too. The final piece of uh, patrons' goodies came yesterday. So I will be packaging the mail and sending it out today. I'm so excited for you all to get your goodies please look forward to that. And if you have not sent us your address, please message us privately. We are the only one who has that access to that message. So if you want your goodies, we need your address. So thank you so much. Thank you. Also, um, Rihanna and I are hoping to send out a holiday card this year, and our patrons will get it. So um, yeah. hop on. If anyone else wants one, also just DM us because we yeah. like to get out stuff. Also, we just <laughs> like getting, giving Also, we're like away. nice, so we like giving stuff for free. <laughs> so if you ask us, we probably will. Rihanna, we're not doing this Patreon thing very well. Oh, yeah, wait, you're right. We'll pay a dollar and then we'll send you one. It's no. for like a stamp, you know? For real, like I love making real life contact with people that I know online. So I would be yeah. thrilled to send you all a holiday letter. 
Absolutely. Rihanna. So I'm wondering for you, the second season of Picard just ended like a couple months ago. And so from these first two seasons, do you have an episode that sticks out to you as being really spooky? Yeah, so I'm sure I've gushed about this episode before in the pod, um, any time we get to talk about it, but The Impossible Box is an episode that I think might be my favorite of Picard. I mean, Nepenthe and Remembrance are, like, really close, you know, the there's something about the pilot that just, like, is <laughs> so bafflingly amazing. Yes. But I think Impossible Box, especially as a spooky episode really does it for me. I think that as a person who gets nightmares, I really liked this sort of aspect of looking into Soji's literal unconscious and also understanding that it connects then to the real world. Um, I also just love the idea of we're kind of investigating further Data's experience with nightmares and onto Soji, but I just, I love that it's, it's more than that, you know, like we get another layer here. Um, plus, we're on a freaking Borg cube. So that always just adds to the scary element, even if it's like a friendly cube that has been reclaimed. It still brings... Yeah, anyway, so I'm going to definitely say Impossible Box. I think that especially for a season one episode, um, season one is amazing. I think that it has a lot of really successful episodes, and so it's really hard for me to choose, like... What, which one stands out the most, but it, it's definitely that one. Ashlyn, what about you? Which episode for you and Picard? Well, Rihanna, that is a great answer. When I was making the watch list, I was going through season one. I didn't look that you'd already put some episodes on the watch list, and I came yeah. across this one, which is the sixth episode, and I was like, oh my god, this is so spooky. We have to put it on the watch list. And then I go back to the document, and you've already added it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this one also stuck out to me, especially for season one. Mm-hmm. But honestly, season two for me is a lot scarier because it seems so close to our time. Yes. And the things that they're talking about seem like they could happen to humanity if yes. <laughs> yep. if we're yep. not careful. Yep. So it's kind of like creeping into that existential dread that mm-hmm. is starting to consume us because of climate change and just how the future doesn't seem awesome right now. Um, yes. So for me, actually... The episode Penance from season two of Picard, episode two, is one of the most frightening to me because it it takes place in a future, not the mirror universe. It takes place in a future where our time, like something that's going on right now in two years went wrong and we became this like Naziist, like humans first society, like destroying the galaxy, especially just seeing the um just just seeing the planet like on life support and seeing how terrible the skies look that really scares me um i think also it's just like very unnerving how everybody is supposed like figuring out how they're supposed to react in that environment so uh that one for sure (laughs) just gets me just because it's not mirror it's real mostly brilliant brilliant answer ashlyn i cannot wait to unpack this episode more all right rihanna i'm gonna read these episodes and then we are going to pick a companion to join us on this journey so amazing we're gonna start off in the section visions and nightmares with the impossible box monsters and mercy and then just the last section (laughs) every spooky series has like 10 parts um yeah (laughs) but this is welcome to the real world q said to me condescendingly or i could say welcome to the real world q said to me condescendingly 
Take a seat. Beautiful either way. Watch penance, <laughs> then go on to hide and seek. <laughs> Beautiful, Ashlyn. <laughs> if we don't want to have it sung, we will be watching penance and then finish off finishing off with hide and seek. Beautiful. Thank you, Ashlyn, again for making this wonderful watch list. I think I'm really happy you remember or you looked up the episode titles because I think at one point I said Nazi future as an episode <laughs> and then you said the one where Brent is chasing them in the chateau. <laughs> so, at least now we know which ones we're discussing. <laughs> oh my god, just as a quick side note, I've been like testing myself whenever I'm bored or sitting in a place without my phone. I've been trying mm-hmm. to remember episode titles. So I've been like uh, yes. thinking about every original series episode I can and then seeing like which season they go into, see how much I remember. And even just trying to think of any Picard episode titles, I couldn't remember a single one. I was like, <laughs> Coming up come on, Ash, you. like just think about one title at all. And I have not been yeah. able to until now that we're doing this series again. I'm like, okay. So it always comes back around is what I realized. Yeah, it comes back you know? around. Yeah. Well, I mean, on the Durost Sisters podcast, I think the last time we talked about Picard was in Death Fake Gouts. Oh, Lord, you're right. So it's yeah, actually get a first officer episode. No, no so. first officer. So it's nice to be returning to Picard and I'm excited to talk about it, but we can't do it alone, Rihanna. Yeah, you're right. It's time. <laughs> for the action figure pick of the week okay i'm closing my eyes okay rihanna who do you have <laughs> okay i have chosen q to come on this journey with us he's wearing a voyager uniform but just ignore that pretend that he's old and saying penance <laughs> ashlyn who came on your journey rihanna it's a match made in heaven i have a card <laughs> oh not only picard explain who which the, which version this is picard who walked on the whole of enterprise d it was d yes mm-hmm. um in the movie first contact which actually came out today 20 years ago Ashlyn, yeah I, well okay low-key because um there's been uh, i saw jonathan frakes posted on twitter um, and he was like, oh, remember this movie? And people were like, yeah. haha, great director. Um, yeah. <laughs> but also, I've been hearing rumors that Frakes has been asking to direct Star Trek Four, And so, Loki, I think he's just mm. like reminding everyone that he can direct movies so he can be assigned that project. He can project. direct amazing movies. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm holding this uh, whole walking Picard in hope that we will have an amazing season three and we will have a amazing movie four. Yes, Ashlyn, thank you. And also to celebrate season three, I have a Beverly Crusher oh. Star Trek pin. She looks beautiful. We're kind of stuck. In our social media. We're kind of stuck in a love triangle, Rihanna. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> You're right. Wow. Oh man. Okay, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so, Ashlyn, let's begin today with the episode we were just talking about the impossible box from season one this is our only season one episode we'll be discussing in our spooky series yeah it is (laughs) (laughs) which you know is fine i think like it's not really conventionally spooky no one says trick-or-treat ever (laughs) or i'm really out of that era no (laughs) (laughs) no okay so there's a lot of really interesting things going on and every storyline A, B, C, and D are all pretty scary. We have the Soji plot where she is on the Borg reclamation project. She's working with the creepy man, um, Narith, the Vulcan. 
Narek. Narek? Who's Narek? The Vulcan. <laughs> I love Narek the Vulcan. I don't love Narek the Romulan. Let's be clear. out with her comfort friend Nareth. Nareth. <laughs> um, trying to, to talk avoid. about issues about <laughs> Mary. <laughs> oh my god. Oh wow. Okay, yeah. So she's hanging out with Narek, um, the creepy Romulan who is trying to sleep with her and gain her well not trying, is sleeping with her to gain her trust and to get her to reveal the location of her home planet because she's an android. She is an android. She's a synthetic. I am an android. Yeah. Um, I am not a boy. Um, <laughs> I was never a boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Romulans have this whole crazy backstory going on uh, where they think that Soji's going to destroy the world and like bring back like this massive tech. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you are Zen Geneb or whatever. Yeah. The destroyer. So I, I just don't like this relationship. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm very off-put by Narek. Mm, yeah what what do you think about this whole situation Rihanna <laughs> off put is a really good way of putting it I feel like though what disturbs me most about this is how skilled he is at manipulation and I think we discussed this in our villain series but he really does just know exactly what to say to get Soji's guard down and exactly what to do. And so when he chooses this little box thing that he's been playing with this box the entire episode and it's about like patience and like it's kind of like a Rubik's cube but it like opens at the end and his sister never had patience for it blah blah blah. So it's this whole like arc showing that he has been patient and he's waiting and that the box is kind of soji that he's slowly opening and slowly manipulating to his will. And it's just like awful, you know, because I think what Picard does so well is these like extended metaphors and is these ways of intertwining characters in really interesting ways but here it just is very spooky and very um unsettling the way that Soji is so quick to let her guard down around him even though she knows that he's lying and that he's you know telling half truths and stuff but this is also not a stereotype but kind of the Romulan way you know or at least the culturally people have learned to to mask everything under a layer of lies. Yep, absolutely. And I really don't like, but I love, at the yeah. end of the episode when Soji, like he's trapped her um, during this, yeah. like during their meditation, during her meditation, when she reveals the location of the home planet, the impossible box that he was playing with earlier opens and releases yes. a gas. And so it's like the whole time, that's kind of when the other shoe drops, that once you open this impossible box, he has chosen to fill it with something deadly. And that's what's happening to her. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's only because she sort of activates that she is able to get out of the situation. And lucky that there was a um, like wooden floor and the whole plating she can just rip through. She's so lucky to be alive, in my opinion. I think that like Narek's plan was ready to succeed, but he underestimated her strength, and that was his downfall. You know, and and lucky for us, but. Yeah, I, I would love to talk about this dream sequence, though, that Soji goes through, because I think that, you know, I was talking about it earlier, but I think that, like, the amount of dream sequences or vision sequences we've seen in Star Trek, you'd think I'd be bored of it by now in our spooky series, but I'm just not, because they always find a fresh way to do it, and Picard 
really does this well. They're always finding fresh ways to do it. That's why people get annoyed at season one, because it's so different from a lot of Star Trek we've seen. But then I have to remember that people felt that way about Enterprise when it was coming out, and now it's just as cheesy as any other Star Trek, you know? So, I don't know. I think that, yeah, anyway, there's a lot of beautiful things to be said about Picard that people sort of miss out on sometimes, but this sequence really feels like cinematic almost, you know, where she's walking through the steps of the um, meditation technique. I'm sorry, I don't remember the Romulan name. <laughs> How dare I <laughs> not be up on my culture. But she's walking through these steps. It's kind of reminds me of a labyrinth, you know, how you walk through it and you it t it's like time for you to be contemplative and meditative. And that's sort of the similar thing that she's doing. But out loud talking about this dream that she keeps having that she wakes up from every time before she can figure out why she's so scared. Yeah, I do think that the quality in this is pretty unmatched. Um, yeah. I especially appreciate as she's going through the dream and then Narek is encouraging her like, oh, turn left or look to your right. What do you see? Trying to get her just to see things more specifically. And yeah. she's looking at her father's face and she can't see it. It's like a blank face. And Ooh, then she yeah. looks over and sees herself on the table at yeah. like being put together it's like in pieces she says she yeah. looks like wooden made yeah. yeah yeah she does i just love this sequence and it's it's so unnerving and unsettling especially because i mean this whole build-up is done really well with soji because we know obviously that she's a synth yeah. I, I kind of wish we didn't know honestly yes um, yes i was just gonna say this because actually. i think it would have been much more satisfying to make this shocking discovery with the character at the mm -hmm. same time because I think it cheapens it a little bit when we're just seeing her like date all of the photos and things that she has as a kid and they're all 37 months um yes and uh even her necklace like her prize necklace so she's yeah. freaking out Narek also says that her calls to her mom are exactly 70 seconds every single night and Ooh, that really that creeps me. me out yeah and yeah especially when she's trying to keep herself awake she's like stabbing her arm with a pencil and we see the mom mm -hmm. starting to glitch out I just think this would have been done a lot better if we didn't know that she was a synth. Obviously, like, the whole pilot had to happen where mm -hmm. she's a twin and everything, but I don't know. I was just kind of wishing that we could experience this with her. Thank you, Ashlyn. That is so true and something I have been thinking about a lot. I think that the pilot, like, they still could have kept it hidden from us and then maybe done the daughter scene, like, later on. I don't know why Picard would go back to Starfleet Archives <laughs> um, is the only thing, like, plot-wise I understand why they did it. But, yeah, for the shock factor, that would have been even more epic. Because you're right, those scenes where she's scanning her photos and then ripping them apart, you know, it's really showing her whole world crumbling. Also, this whole thing is seen from a child's perspective, at first, you know, and the whole reason she can't see what's on the table is because she's too short to see over the orchids. And I love this, you know, these different pieces of like what a child would remember, but they're just planted memories to make her feel afraid to wake up, you know. So it's, it's so fascinating that this was the mechanism that Bruce Maddox used you know, to sort of, like we talked about, um, to, to make her understand more of where she came from. She had to push through that wall 
that barrier of fear that a child would feel, you know? And so it's only when you're like emotionally ready to do that, would she be able to. And of course, Narek was the one who pushed her to do that because she really wanted to turn back. She's like, no, like I'm not supposed to be in here. Like I know I'm not, you know? And so prying into that can be really scary, but I'm really glad she did obviously because it revealed Narek's true self and it revealed who she, her true self in a horrible way, obviously, like this could have been done better, but she didn't, of course, have the autonomy to because Narek was controlling her in these awful ways. So what a great accumulation of like really tense moments and really intricate like emotions. I don't know, like we talked about last week, emotions play such a deep role into the way that we feel like scared and the way we understand moments of fear and I think that Soji handles this so beautifully and gracefully and gets out of there alive which is the most important thing yeah absolutely uh I thought that last kiss that he gives her before he murders Mm. her was really haunting because you well at least I get the sense that he does love her or he does care about her in some way but Mm -hmm. he's fulfilling the mission and obviously his loyalties are to Romulus he's not gonna be a turn cloak just for a lady um, sure. Even if she's hot, you know, he's not that kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, so I thought that kiss was pretty, ugh, like I, I didn't like it. Like one more yeah. for the road and then I'm going to murder you. Yeah. Oof. It just showed how he kind of enjoyed it almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oof. Hate to say it. Um, but yeah. The other part of this episode that I thought was especially spooky was Picard's half because mm. he is back on Borg. <laughs> Uh-huh. He's back Good on one. board the board cube, <laughs> a place where he never wanted to go ever again in his life. And uh, he is experiencing some real serious PTSD and um, flashes from this. And I was so, I guess I, I shouldn't be surprised, but I am surprised that Picard is having such visceral reactions and like triggers when he's on the board cube because it has mm-hmm. been over 20 years it's been like almost 30 since he has been assimilated. But we know, like we saw the episode where he rolled around in his brother. He never really processed those emotions. Um, yeah. And so, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm just always surprised that fear is something that's so powerful in our lives. It can take us back to that moment. It's like the opposite of music. You know, when you hear a song, you're like, I remember in 1979, I was sitting on the porch. But like fear, it does the same thing, but with something, you know, obviously bad and terrifying. Exactly. That's so true. And I think that's something very specific to trauma is like going back to the place where it occurred or even something similar can trigger that fear again. And absolutely Picard has not (laughs) dealt with much Borg after this after his assimilation I mean sure there was other I mean first contact sure with lore and first contact we dealt with his trauma a little bit more that's very true but then pile on you know with his like family dying in a fire I just feel like (laughs) poor geez these these writers really love to torture our sweet Picard um and so this episode is so wonderful because I love how we kind of even get the scare of like, no, they're going to simulate. I mean, I know they're not, you know, but in a way you're a little worried, like they're going to simulate Picard, like something's gone wrong. And then Hugh comes and he's like, they just don't want you to fall. They're just trying to save you. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is like such a great twist. And again, something that like we talked about last week and 
that New Trek is doing really well is like taking Star Trek tropes and turning them on their heads and making us, you know, like sort of double take, which I love. Mm-hmm. But despite, despite the Borg just trying to hold them up, every single scene in this episode with the Borg are terrifying. So they're yeah. still trying to scare us, like, totally <laughs> scare us AF. Because throughout the episode, Picard is learning that what's happening like with the ex-Borg is actually really amazing. And this is why Hugh stays on the ship every day. And even though he was triggered and it's got to be hard for him too, he was assimilated for a lot longer. But it is like a really awesome project. But still, like Picard, despite like understanding what's happening, he still can't help but feel just like very nervous being on the ship. Yeah, it's so understandable, this reaction. And it's interesting to see, I know that Seven doesn't board the Borg cube in this episode, but when she does to like connect with the Queen's controls, power, mm-hmm. whatever, it is interesting to see all of these ex-Borg deal with having to interact with a cube again, even if it's a reclaimed one, and how varying their reactions are depending on how much they work through their stuff, you know? and. Yep. Picard certainly didn't have a Janeway and a Voyager crew to help work through their his Borg trauma. So, because he doesn't really open up to people enough to allow that to happen um, until this until this show, really. Well, and this is why season two dives deeper into this because it, clearly mm-hmm. the show Picard is all about resolving Picard's trauma. <laughs> he never yeah, worked exactly. <laughs> Which, honestly, I'm glad for it because it gives a different take on our, like, episodic trek, you know? And we're getting to extend it through a character. I That's mean, really neat. Yeah, it's 100% why Patrick Stewart did it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, with that being said, Rihanna, I think let's move on to Monsters. Um, yep, perfect. Second episode of our Visions and Nightmares series because there is indeed a monster in the house. <laughs> There's a monster in the house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, I just want to give a blanket warning here. There's a lot of dark themes, as if you all remember from season two in general. There's some, like, suicide stuff we're going to be talking about later. Um, Some, like, mental illness stuff. So just, like, make sure you're in the (laughs) right headspace to listen to this episode. Thank you. But we'll still crack some jokes that are tasteful, hopefully. In Monsters, uh, just... You know, like quick little summary the in case you all forgot. Of summaries, yeah. <laughs> Even though they showed us like five times in the previous episode, uh, Picard gets hit by a car. <laughs> Teresa is able to save him, but he's not waking up, and so Talon has to go and use her cool watcher magic science stuff to go in to Picard's mind and figure out what is keeping him there. What? Why is he stuck? And so. This is sort of the premise. We're going deeply into Picard's like sort of mindscape that he's created to that that has imprisoned him kind of from waking up. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oof. <laughs> so thank you, Rihanna, for that summary. Um, yeah. It begins with a really scary flashback um, of Picard's mom. And we're going to get uh, so many iterations of this scene for the next couple episodes while Picard is like working through these issues. But essentially, his mom takes him down to the basement, and it, they start out in the stained glass room, and then there's a monster there, like something that Picard can't see. 
that's chasing them. And so throughout the episode, he and then Talon eventually joins him kind of in a Vulcan mind meld-ish thing, but Romulan style, and um, is able to help little boy Picard fight through everything that's going on in the basement in his mind. I just, yeah. I loved, because there's a, I mean, there's many levels going on in Picard's mind because he's also talking to his dad in this one. Yeah. Um, he, we don't know it's his dad until the end of the episode, but he's having like what looks like court-mandated therapy or something. <laughs> yeah, Starfleet-mandated. Yeah, he's very like closed off, doesn't want to talk about it. But when Talon is there, he's actually able to figure out like with more adult eyes what's going on. And Mm -hmm. his father also helps him work through that. So I just thought overall, like everything that's going on in Picard's mind is uh, pretty terrifying. And the added visuals of the monster chasing them and them running through the dungeons for especially a little boy Picard. It's very Mm -hmm. unnerving. First wearing his little crown from where he's like clearly just played and like having prince, fun. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really shows this the, yeah, very creepy juxtaposition. And like we were talking about with Soji earlier, we're seeing like you said, Ashlyn, a kid's point of view of something terrifying or something unknown. You know, I think that a lot of time us as children, we think we know more than we do about what's happening in the lives of our parents. And it turns out when you grow up and learn truths that maybe you were kept from or you just you learn later on you're like oh my gosh there was all of these other things going on that I had no clue about and so they do such a great job of sort of introducing kid Picard's view first and so we're really on his side of like yeah the father is like so horrible like what did he do to his mom all this kind of stuff and then we're seeing the other layers of truth here yeah absolutely we keep getting scenes of like his mom getting dragged away too Mm -hmm. and that really is in his mind this monster and we get uh, we do see like a bald monster at the end of this episode (laughs) which i don't really know what's going on i don't really get why they went that far to like show us the monster yeah (laughs) i think it's like the manifestation that picard was just imagining you know like Mm -hmm, when clearly it's it's a mental thing that his mom is going through um but I, th- I thought that the images of her being dragged away and then eventually like them having this encounter with this bald monster was really great and effective. Totally. Especially because we keep seeing specific scenes over and over again. Like we see Picard's leg get stuck in the uh, wooden boards and we're sort of sitting there wondering, or at least I am sitting there wondering, like why are we seeing this so many times? Yes, it's significant because it seems like it was the time his mother was finally out of his reach the first time she totally tried to help him and like tried to get him up but the monster dragged her away and then once we see it through adult eyes we see that his mother just kept running and Mm -hmm. left him behind and his father was the one to find him stuck there so i think that yeah those are so effective when you know you replay a scene a few times but altered a bit you have to be like paying attention to realize oh my gosh like we're unraveling this mystery of Picard's past, learning what monsters are real and which are manifestations of something dark in someone's mind. Yeah, I love the visual, what you were saying. Uh, or I, I think the visual of him getting stuck in the board is a really good one. It also mm. reminds me of when I'm dreaming and you can't run very fast in a dream. Oh. 
yeah which is so infuriating because you're trying to get stuff done (laughs) or you're trying to like get away from something yeah and i have to like drag my body instead of run it's awful it's just yeah so it reminded me of that just a yeah just great not not feeling good yeah yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely and so it also leaves us with this kind of unsettling unfinished business here clearly picard has worked through some of it understanding yes his father was trying to help him and his mom but we still see this key and we see that there's something more to the story you know and so i like that they didn't tell us it all at once we're really just getting snippets as they're dealing with a literal future crisis (laughs) yeah yeah exactly um more on that later yeah so let's go on to mercy um this episode is in our visions and nightmares because gerardi um has merged with the boar queen and she is the vision of a nightmare literally well said ashlyn we are witnessing the birth of a new queen as seven says <laughs> right here in downtown los angeles in 2024 when no one is equipped to handle a borg clearly no one's equipped to even handle themselves in 2024 it seems um so this is bad news all around especially because this is not what they came to fix you know, they were just trying to figure out the Renee Picard stuff. <laughs> and then this happens, you know, due to the whole Borg Queen getting her nanoprobes into Gerardi. Yeah, and it turns out in order to get the nanoprobes to stay in her body, they need some stabilizing metals. Mm-hmm. And this is what Seven says to Rafi. Mm-hmm. So it's not a surprise when they see that, like, cell phones are being eaten. And yeah. then uh, they find, like, three cars with the hoods up. And Gerardi's just, mm-hmm. like, going to town. <laughs> yeah, on those batteries. <laughs> uh, it's not great. Yeah. Well, and I really, I think what makes this really effective is that Seven is now talking about, you know, dealing with the Borg and her past with the Borg she does have to deal with that when she's explaining about the battery she was like i can like when i smelled that it brought me right back mm-hmm. just like we were saying with card earlier yep. our fears manifest itself in different ways that sometimes we can't expect and so it was really beautiful to watch her navigate that you know and and, and understand that that's a struggle yeah i'm just proud of her also i am proud of gerardi for fighting back because the Borg queen is ready to murder them at this point and she has rafi in a chokehold almost kills her and then and then she's like nope (laughs) she's able to stop the boar queen from killing her but i wasn't sure honestly how this scene was gonna go like maybe rafi would be like seriously injured hopefully not killed but yeah i was just glad that raf that uh was able to take control oh my god same yeah that was a terrifying few few seconds everyone's holding their breath but yeah so scary concept of boar queen taking over (laughs) yes all right, well, welcome to the real world. Q said to me condescendingly, it's time to go back a little bit in season two and talk about penance. This is the episode I started out talking about with because it's so scary to me. Yeah, so I just want to reemphasize that the like awful shots of nasty Earth's atmosphere is like really awful to see. Um, and also, Q is so unhinged at the beginning of this episode and i mean if you've watched tng we know q really well and he always is very controlled and has these ideas even if they're like crazy and annoying to everyone else he's really planned out all of this and so i was pretty shocked to see that q was 
losing himself. And even Picard says he was um, like a little, un- I don't think he says unhinged, but he says something yeah. similar. <laughs> he um, says something like um, unwell at first. Well, yeah, and he's like, else. you are unwell. And then he's like, he's not right or something yeah. when he's talking to everybody else. But he actually slaps Picard because Picard is just saying like, stop this cue. I'm not playing your game. I I don't care about this. Please, like, leave me out of it. And Q is like, no, you're the chess piece on the board. We have to do this. And he also says, this is not a lesson. It's a penance. Ooh, that gets me. Q has a lot to say here. And this happens because Q says he sought out the close explosion. um, And it was the stargazer about to explode, self-detonate, so the Borg couldn't get it. And, of course... Spoilers! We we know that that Borg is Gerardi, uh, Borgati, and not you know as threatening as as we make them out to be in this moment. But still, Picard orders to self destruct, and then they're transported to this different universe, same time, same day, completely different circumstances. Um, decay into nazism again i guess is the, i mean yeah so q does save his life essentially like a really yeah. roundabout way very roundabout very exhausting way but yes um he does um i i want to draw attention to my favorite scene with picard and q which is or in this episode um which has q like walking around picard's collection of skulls and weapons and everything and i was kind of thinking like this is mirror universe animal crossing (laughs) 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 where you have your display room of everything you're proud of but in this version it's like skulls of your enemies (laughs) yeah it's like you killed chelsea put her head on a stick (laughs) you murdered the island of riverdale or something Yeah. (laughs) yeah exactly that's brilliant ashlyn yeah and of course we see skull ducat which i can only show ashlyn because this is a visual podcast but um i have a wonderful strange new pod sticker that says skull ducat and has a picture of his skull um so i did love that moment but then i did not love to see martok and sarek honestly i didn't feel that bad about sarek (laughs) yeah but his he was decapitated in front of amanda and spock so i feel really bad about that yeah (laughs) Nah, they'll get over it. Spock's been through worse. Yeah. I mean, Picard even describes this world as, quote, the circle that Dante overlooks, which, beautiful, by the way. I just love the way he speaks. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's exactly apt. I think the, the scenes also that stick out to me are when Picard is looking at videos of himself, like what mm. what his counterpart has been doing, or I guess not even his counterpart because not mirror it's just him yeah what he's been doing in this timeline and how he could become so hateful and so full of fear that he's willing to destroy every other species that walks in his path Mm -hmm. um because it's so ridiculous and as all these other characters are waking up in their own circumstances it's insane to think about all of them being these crazy fascists and unnerving too that they have to play those roles so like rios for example he wakes up and he's like leading the fleet against the vulcans and uh he has to basically agree to order with murdering a bunch of vulcan ships in order to Mm -hmm. not be found out that he is not who he remembers himself as this episode was really reminding me of 
the Discovery episode we just talked about, Despite Yourself, where they first enter the Mirror Universe. And of course, Ashlyn, exactly what you said, what makes it even more terrifying is that this is just um, a different timeline and a different version of the same Picard we know and love, who's keeping Romulan slaves in this timeline, you know, and he says, oh, I would never do that. But it just reminds me too, because the first thing they hear when Discovery enters the universe is that shit being like spooked by Rebels Discovery, you know? And then the same kind of thing happens where Rios hears them being like, oh, we got to take the Rebels down and they're always Vulcans. And so it really shows like, no, but we love Vulcans. It's like a really good way to pierce our heart quick, you know? It's just so well done. And I'm just curious, Ashlyn, as we start to see these roles unravel, see where everyone is, how well would you adapt to being in this situation? It would be hard. Like, I think I could adapt well at, like, seven because she's the Mm -hmm. president and she doesn't have any of these, like, really hard, murderous decisions to make until it's time to kill the Borg Queen. Yeah. But, um... So I think in that circumstance, I'd be okay. But it'd be really hard, like, to be in Rios's position and, like, uh, how do I go along with the murder of all these people? But also, right, if yeah. you mess up, you will get killed. So I don't know. Rihanna, would you freak out? <laughs> yeah, I would just be, like, catatonic. <laughs> You'd be, like, Gerardi, probably. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'd be like, wow, look, I made a cat. Cool. I'm just going to hide <laughs> in this basement. <laughs> Honestly, Gerardi has it best. I love that she just goes at one point like, Ed, we're just going to assume that's something I know how to do. Yeah. Okay, cool. And she does it, like, well, but it just cracks me up. Yeah, I thought this scene also with the Borg Queen was a really iconic moment, too, because she comes out, she has no legs, she's just, like, strapped into this prison, and also she's experiencing, like, a lot of issues because she's alone, she's completely disconnected from the collective, and also time has been broken, which is what she keeps muttering to herself, because she can feel all the different versions of the universe and she knows that something's wrong like she sees seven and she's like Annika Hansen was assimilated in this star date and her husband's like what's going on (laughs) yeah Yeah, and seven says at one point that the Borg queen can hear echoes in each universe of what's happening and I just love that we're learning new stuff about the Borg queen still like we think that we've uncovered everything there is to know about the Borg, and yet we still get to learn more. And I think that's really fascinating and utterly terrifying because she totally could just, like, get into all these different universes at least, or at least know what's happening with her other counterparts. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) That's, like, OP. (laughs) It's very overpowered. Well, and then the way that they escape all of this is the way that every character escapes anything. Go back in time. <laughs> Try Go to fix it. Maybe we can yeah. start from somewhere better. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what went wrong. Because we hear from Q that they never found the solution to cleaning Earth's atmosphere. And so he says, quote, here they just keep the corpse on life support. Which again, yeah, another terrifying existential dread moment. I'm like, hey, Hate politicians <laughs> need to <laughs> do better with climate change bills. <laughs> um So another thing I want to discuss really quickly about Seven and sort of just her shock of being married to a man, you know, I think that obviously like Seven could be bi or pan or whatever. It's totally chill. But I think that it's interesting because probably in this universe, 
she never even thought to explore her sexuality because no. this is such a totalitarian Nazi nightmare that there's no way that she would even like consider it, you know? And so it just sucks because it shows in these ways that like people aren't allowed to be themselves and be more than whatever the constraints of the society is. Well, yeah, because it's fear. And if you're found to be different yeah. in any way, even if you're human, I I still would guess, we don't really get to see the nuances of this future, but I still would guess being human is not enough to fit in because it's so easy to say, oh, you're different because you're XYZ, so you must actually be siding with the traitors, you know? Yeah, exactly. So easy to turn on each other. And so, yeah, I just, one more thing that really saddened me is that we were robbed of seeing anything about General Sisko. And I know I would have hated him in this universe. And I know they probably couldn't get Avery Brooks. <laughs> but like, could you imagine the tiniest of cameos of seeing General Sisko? I just can't believe that they even referenced it. I was well, losing my mind. Yeah, I think you should check out um, some comic books that are coming out right now because they are actually like, Sisko has returned. Um, so for, I mean, I don't, I don't know the plot. I don't know if it's like actually a flashback, but I know that Mm -hmm. new Cisco content is being created right now. And the book just came out. I've actually been really considering reading it because I have a feeling it's post wormhole Cisco. So yeah. Um, Avery books are, Avery books are not like they are surging forward with the plot line. So yeah. Very excited about that. Yeah. (laughs) Great. I'm very excited too. Um, so speaking of Borg and totalitarian nightmares, we are going to jump to the last episode of the podcast today, which is Hide and Seek. And this kind of combines everything that we've been talking about into one. It has like flashbacks that are terrifying. It has Borg chasing you. It has Brent Spiner trying to conquer the universe. (laughs) It's a very scary episode. And uh, I thought the use of the Picard Chateau in this whole season was fantastic because it's been building to this the entire time. And they keep talking about how the Nazis entered and there were like bullet holes in there. And then actually in this time, we see that the Borg that Gerardi slash Brent Spiner have converted, they were security guards, now they're kind of Borg. Uh, it's their bullet holes that are in the chateau. So I just love this episode. I mean, it's very traumatizing. This episode is hard to watch, but I thought it explored a lot of like really interesting themes. And I just want to set up that we are fighting a battle on three fronts in this one. Uh, We have Elnor versus the Borg on the La Serena. Hologram Elnor. Yeah, hologram Elnor. And then we have Seven and Rafi versus Brent Spiner and his army. (laughs) I'm just calling him Brent Spiner. I don't even care. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, (laughs) (laughs) And then we have Picard and um, Talon versus his past. (laughs) Very well said. Yes, Ashlyn, I feel like we sometimes complain about the fact that there's pushing so many storylines into one episode, but here it does do really well because they are starting to connect more and we're seeing more of the like webs being woven together. So of course we start out right away with a rainy chateau in the La Serena. I think that like getting the rain element in, it's hard to see, it's nighttime, and then you get the green lights of the, like, the pretty much, like, the gun search of, like, <laughs> light thing. Yeah. They look like the they're like lasers. Yeah. Laser things, but mm-hmm. they're green to make it Borgified. So creepy. Um, so creepy. And I just love that the green has sort of become the Borg color, you know? And so they're really great at making sure that that is woven into everything in Trek that's Borg, and including 
Gerardi getting her new Borg <laughs> look in this episode. The red dress is gone. Now she's full Borgified with the, and she's got new legs, new set of legs, but Agnes is still kind of in there <laughs> having this also internal fight of like, let's be good. And Borg Queen's like, let's be bad. <laughs> so yeah, I just think that the way that the shots are done in this episode and exactly like you said that it's at the Chateau is so cool. Yes, agreed. Um, I love, just to quote Brent Spider, he says, uh, when he's talking to Picard at the beginning of the episode, he tells him, um, I'm not, well, I wasn't a violent man. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> just showing you, like, of he's course. so excited to create a future where he has a statue of himself and he's remembered forever for saving humanity. Of course, like, Gerardi Borgatti was lying to him about what that mm-hmm. future was in, would, like, fully entail, but he doesn't care. He's just wants money and fame and power and yeah it's just crazy that he's willing to just go along with this whole plan he calls picard what is it the random element that will uh like stop him variable yes thank you the rogue variable that will stop him from succeeding which is always true i mean when you're dealing with picard um i love that that he's always the wrench in the plan oh yeah and then when Picard and Talon are running around the chateau, I just think the use of the flashbacks are interwoven so beautifully because it adds this context that we've been needing and it shows that Picard has been gaining memories as he's running around and they seamlessly integrate. Like at one point, young Picard is running and then he turns to who he thinks is his mom and it's actually Talon. And then they're back in the present or slash in the past I guess, are they flashbacks or are they future <laughs> flashbacks? I don't, I don't I mean, know. <laughs> yeah, his flashbacks, but they're present. Because yeah. <laughs> Star Trek's very easy to understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just was, I was really complimentary of that. The filming in this episode particularly is just fantastic. And it's not so dark that I can't see. I'm not like Game of Thrones turning up my screen monitor, which I appreciated. <laughs> The worst is when you have like a light on like a <laughs> like a lamp or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. Yes. Thank you for talking about those scenes. I think that us getting this reveal in the second to last episode is really good because then on the tenth episode we can sort of breathe a little. We've still got the Renee climax, but this is a sort of closure for Picard. We're getting to see again the overlay of young and old Picard. Sorry to call him old, but like older, of course. And seeing the two of them navigate this space in a different way is really interesting because I like that, you know, he's so confident when he's older and he's not, you know, running for mama anymore. He's, of course, they're trying to escape <laughs> the Borg and Brent Spiner, <laughs> which is just, that sucks. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's like, all of this stuff is coming back to him and he's having to remember you know in order to get out of this situation and so in a way he's literally forced to deal with the happenings of his past and unraveling the truths behind it what his childhood truths were and his adulthood truths yeah especially when he's trying to figure out where the entrance is to the basement and he has the flashback of the mother going down and then later on when he finds the key and that key is what eventually unlocked his mother's room so then she mm-hmm. could go and like unalive herself mm-hmm. and uh i i thought those particular like grounding moments were really good i mean like so hard to watch all of this mm-hmm. um but really good from a storyline because it's it's 
accurate. Like Picard would get those sensory memories when he's back at that exact location with the exact key in his hand. Totally, totally. Doesn't matter that the chateau is, you know, years younger. <laughs> yeah, <guess>. yeah. <laughs> um, the space is different. It's still that's that space. And um, let's see. I I think too that we're really learning that Picard put so much on himself as a kid, when it certainly wasn't his job to take care of his hurting mother. You know, and it it never should have been. Yeah. And I think that he took so much responsibility for this, and he also blames his father so much for this and himself, that reconciling those two things is really difficult. Yeah, I just don't think that, like, this is definitely not something he should have been in charge of, and not something that he should blame himself for. And this is Hugh's really roundabout way of saying that, of showing him the facts over the things Picard told himself as a kid. Yep. And this is another podcast, but I don't think, I I think we've even talked about this, if not on our podcast, then with Strange New Pod or on another Mm -hmm. show, but the whole, like, how the dad dealt with the situation is not great. And it is really scary as a kid to imagine your dad locking your mom in a room for any Mm -hmm. reason is not good. Even if it's for her own safety, Picard was too young to understand that. I still think in this time, they should have had a better way of dealing with this. But 100%. I can totally understand why Picard would feel like he was saving her. And in this one answer, we understand his whole character. He always feels like he has to be the one saving because in this one moment, he couldn't save her. And there was nothing he could yeah. do, nothing he could control. Yeah, really like haunting, <laughs> incredibly haunting. Also, like after Picard has had these revelations, he gets to a point in the chateau where he has to either go left or right. One way leads to the vineyards, one way leads deeper into the chateau. Mm-hmm. At first he chooses to go deeper into the chateau, but yeah. then the boar come from that direction and so they're forced to go into the fields and this is how yeah. Brent Spiner eventually captures them. I was so surprised that he was going to go deeper. Like it shows you, I think, that he's on his way to mending himself, that he's willing to keep exploring what happened and deal with those issues, but... I'm, I mean, I'm glad oh, he didn't Beautiful. I was scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a thousand ways to die down there. Uh. So, I'm glad he didn't. But Ashlyn, that's so beautiful. So well said. Um, also, the board getting beamed into solid rock. What a creepy <laughs> scene. I loved it, though. Like, yeah. how right around them, they're all just like, and it makes that creepy noise. I was like, wow, that was well done. I love it. And um, then, of course, we have Gerardi's whole, I don't know, March to goodness. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's like the whole, I thought all the fight scenes on the La Serena were really good. I hate that Seven almost dies, but I'm glad she's fine. She, of course, gets her implants again. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's her destiny, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quite a satisfying ending to this episode. And honestly, if we had the time, I think all of season two, pretty much all of Picard could be in this spooky series because... It has such yeah. mind-bending psychological horror that happens, and it talks about so many like really deep and disturbing issues. I, I think it's definitely a product of its time <laughs> because of everything that yeah. we're going through now, and I'm really happy that we get a chance to explore this, particularly when it's about our beloved John Luke. Wow, Ashlyn, thank you so much for such a beautiful discussion, such an important thing for us to talk about, and 
yeah, I'm just really excited that now we get to transition to Lower Decks next week. <laughs> Complete opposite. <laughs> the most opposite you could ever get. Yeah. Like, truly. Yeah. Yeah, very excited to talk about Lower Decks with you next week. We will have a Prodigy episode after that. We're probably, honestly, going to drop two episodes in a week because those are going to be pretty short. Rihanna, would you like to announce your series that we will be moving on to? Oh my god, would I ever. I guess it's time. Yeah, wow, we're like getting down there. Mm -hmm. So everyone, the next series that we will be doing on our podcast is the Holodeck series. Yes! Oh, amazing. We are going to be going at Hollow Suite, don't get me wrong. We'll be talking about Hollow Suites, Holodecks, anytime there's shenanigans, anytime holograms start to come out to play (laughs) we'll be there talking about it yeah this is the first series that we're only gonna have like one episode from tos and it's not even tos it's tas (laughs) yeah so we'll figure out how to do it really fun yeah to integrate all of this yeah i can't wait i think it'll be perfect for going into the holiday season totally so thank you so much for announcing if you are a patron you've already known this for like a month so totally congrats (laughs) yeah um (laughs) rihanna thank you so much i can't wait to finish out the spooky series with you in these next couple episodes and then move right along to holodeck series it's gonna be great ashlyn thank you so much thank you for listening everyone have a good thanksgiving if you celebrate and live long and prosper live long and prosper Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the eighth episode of our spooky series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss all the hair-raising episodes in Lower Decks. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, a review of Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, death fakeouts, and first officers. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and listen to any of these amazing episodes. Social media and marketing by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. Tired. Yeah, he has some, like, you know, Borgish veins. Yeah, he's like, yeah, his veins are turning black, but he's, oh, no, be up, yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs>